Hey, well, today we're going to be talking to type ones, and specifically, we're going to be addressing the topic of wings, which for the type one are the two numbers next to it, type nine and type two. If the concept of wings are new to you, head over to episode 160, where we explain Enneagram wings in more detail. But essentially, wings are the two types directly next to your main type on the Enneagram symbol. For example, I am a six, and so my wings are five and seven. And for Beth, she's a type nine, and her wings are type eight and type one. Yeah, exactly. So as Jeff just said, we are going to be talking with guests who are type ones and their wings being the two and the nine. Now, your main type is the driving force behind your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors based on its core motivations. That's the core fear, desire, weakness, and longing that you have. But your wings play a significant role in why you think and behave based on their perspective, their core motivations, and how they see, interpret, and react to life based on their core motivations as well. You kind of think about it as each of your wings literally are seeing the world through their own lens. And they think they're right, and they want to chime in and give you all the advice (laughs) from their angle and persuade you to go their way. So really, that's what we're going to be talking about is how do these wings influence and try to affect us on many different levels from healthy to unhealthy. Great. And because of their constant influence on our lives in big and small ways, we're going to be referring to our wings as parts of us. That might seem a little strange at first, but um, you already speak this way uh, without even realizing it, right? Because when you're talking to others and you can feel pulled into two different directions with both your thoughts and feelings, and you might say something like, a part of me wants this or a part of me feels this way, but another part of me desires something else. Mm -hmm. Your wings bring their own perspectives based upon their core motivations and bring up in you contradicting thoughts and feelings, which can cause you to feel stuck, torn, or indecisive. So as we talk about type 1's wings with our guests, who we're going to be introducing here in a second, uh, keep in mind that they always remain their main type with those core motivations of a type 1 that's leading the bus. But what you'll hear today is how certain situations, their type 9 wing or type 2 parts, will show up and influence their thoughts and behaviors in both positive and negative ways. Yeah. All right. So before we introduce our type 1 guests, I'd like to just highlight their main type and being a type one. And we call them the principled reformers because they're always striving to do what is right and to reform and perfect things to make things better. Now, their uh, core motivations are as such. Their core fear is that they fear being bad, evil, wrong, inappropriate, unredeemable, and corruptible. It's funny hearing that, Beth, because there's sometimes as a counterphobic six, I like being a little bad. (laughs) That's true. That's true. We know that, Jeff. We know that. Okay. (laughs) It's, it's, I think everyone who's listening to the podcast knows that. Yes, that's true. Not like you hide it. (laughs) Okay. So the type uh, one's core desire is that they desire to have integrity, to be good, balanced, accurate, virtuous, and right but they struggle with their core weakness of resentment. And this is where they're repressing anger that leads to uh, continual frustration and disappointment that they, others, and the world are not perfect. But they have a core longing. This is the message their heart longs to hear and believe, and that is you are good. So those are the core motivations of the type ones. That is the driving force behind why they think, feel, and behave in particular ways. So as we walk through things step by step, we're going to be talking more about what this is like for them because uh, type ones, they are self-disciplined, they're focused, they're responsible, and they make the world a better place. And when they're healthy, man, you want one of them on your side. They bring so much wisdom, but they can also struggle to believe they're good enough because they have an internal critic that is constantly berating and accusing them. And it's demanding that they fix or have others fix the mistakes and the imperfections in the world constantly. Now, Beth, why don't you just speak very briefly? I'm not thinking a lot, but uh, all types can have an inner critic. Right. I've got an inner critic. Yeah. What do you think makes it different for the type yeah, one? That's a good point. Um, well, so, thank you for I often make it. <laughs> <laughs> so the you're right. We all have an inner critic to a varying degree. But the type one's inner critic is really as if there's a megaphone right at their ear Mm -hmm. and it is constantly berating them and showing them what is wrong and imperfect. 
A lot of people think that the type ones in their lives that they experience walk into a room or situation looking for the imperfections. And actually, that's not true. They'll walk into a room and the imperfections leap out at them and assault them. You know, it's funny you say it that way because it's not actually funny. That's a that's not a good phrase to use. It I feel compassion and empathy, right? Because as a six, I don't go into a situation wanting to find ways this could go wrong, right? But it just comes it up. Just comes, yeah. So as what a, what would that what what would is it an inner? Well, I will say as a nine, I do go into all situations looking for rest and comfort. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's no. so funny. Like, I, I how can I relax in yeah, this situation? I, I, I twisted that. <laughs> no. So for me, yeah, I'm not looking for conflict. I'm not looking for tension. Yeah. Um, I'm not looking for my inner core to feel but disrupted. But you feel it. But the world. Even before you see it happening. Right, it's the world. There's a lot of disruption. So I feel so it's there. we all have kind yeah. of a default that we walk exactly. into a room with. That's right. Yeah. So the ones that walk into a room and these imperfections leap out at them. Yes. Now, the inner critic is going to constantly show this to them until yeah. they do something about it. Now, you might not notice this because they're keeping it at times internal. Now, other times yeah. not. But what usually happens is it's internal and it builds up, meaning think about a coffee cup and you uh, pour coffee I in. mean, I'm just thinking of in my own experience, you don't always know that I'm scared right. because my abdomen is tightened up. Yeah. And most people are around me and they're like, oh, you're so peaceful and steady. And I'm like, inside, I feel like there's so much <laughs> chaos and like yes. tension and like the world's going to fall apart any minute and I have to bring peace and harmony. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of times people don't know what's going on inside, but for the for the one, the inner critic is like pouring coffee into a coffee cup and it's filling it and filling it and filling it and it just spills over eventually. And that's when others experience the maybe the coldness, the criticalness, mm-hmm. the curtness um, of the type one. And they might be like, dude, why are you acting that way? And then and the one is like, you have no idea what I've already experienced so far in this regard. Yeah. I am now just bringing this to your attention. And so it helps us to have greater understanding and compassion for the type ones in our lives that they are really, because my type one wing, so I'm a nine Mm -hmm. and I have a one as a one wing. And when she comes on, yep, when she comes online in not a healthy way, I call her vicious Victoria when she's not nice. And she is really coming at me. It feels almost like a baseball bat beating me up. And if that's just my wing, I have so much compassion for the type ones and what they're experiencing on a daily basis. So we'll have to ask our guests that question. Like whenever we experience their oneness, yeah, uh, what what, what have they like experienced to, to, thus far? Yeah, what's, what have they experienced, and how can we acknowledge its presence? Yeah, and how not only how can we acknowledge it, but how can we come alongside them and support them and care yeah. for them? Um, because the inner critic is just so hurtful and harmful. Um, but yeah, so with that being said, let's go ahead and meet our guest. Uh, today we have Amy Neighbors, who uh, is an Enneagram coach and the YEC's coaching manager, Brian Lee, who's been on the podcast before. So, uh, hey, welcome, guys. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us back. <laughs> That's awesome. Sure yeah. thing. Well, Amy, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about you and what you do and uh, about anything you want to share about being a one? I am. Um, I live in Auburn, Alabama, and I am an Enneagram coach. I am getting that business. I've been working for the past year to get that off the ground and growing. And um, I have married, been married for almost 26 years, and we have one son um, who, if you want to be a one and experience um, a lot of practice, um, just have a child who's an eight. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. And we love, um, we love living in Auburn. We have a four legged pet that, uh, dog that we adore. And mm. I just strive to live a very quiet life most of the time. <laughs> so, oh, and yeah, what, totally get what type is your husband? Um, not exactly positive yet. We're still trying to figure oh, that okay. out. Um, a nine or a six. I see. Um, yep. Those two can definitely get yeah. mistyped yeah. a lot, so, for sure. Does he ever think he's crazy? Because that pretty much nails the sixes. <laughs> and um, does he say it depends all the time? <laughs> That's definitely a six. No, I I kind of think he's more of a nine because he can't make a decision. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, That is I, true. Both of them can actually struggle yeah. with it, right? Because yeah. I, 
them. You struggle with making decisions differently I than know, I do. I don't know what I want. And you, and, you don't know what I want right, either. If I know what you want, then I'm like, oh, I can make that decision. But if I don't know what you want, then it's and, like, and oh, I want a lot what if of I make things. someone upset? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, goodness. Hey, um, well, well, Amy, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, we really appreciate you being me. willing to share about your internal world and team. <laughs> uh, next up is Brian Lee, uh, YEC's coaching uh, manager. He helps to uh, manage some of our communities. Well, glad to have you back on the podcast, Brian. Thanks. It's good to be back. So tell us, when did you find out that you were one? Oh, boy. I think it was five years ago now. It was whenever Sleeping okay. at Last first started releasing those songs. Really? Yeah. Yeah, tell us about that. Uh, I was sitting in my office at church. I've been pastoring for over 20 years as pastor, worship leader, executive pastor, all kinds of stuff. Um, and I just remember, I don't even remember how I found it, except that I followed his account for a while because I just love his music anyway. Right. And then he's posting about this Enneagram stuff and releasing a new song, and I had no idea what it was. He finally releases it. I listened to it, and then it just had it on repeat for, I don't know, two hours while I cried at my desk. <laughs> No, like right. I, I love personality tests. I love learning more about myself for lots of other reasons. But this one hit in a way that I just never experienced before. Yeah. Um, just to get wow. to the core of who I was. And, you know, we say it all the time with Enneagram coaching, not not what I'm doing, but why I'm doing it. And it just yeah. uncovered, yep. laid bare all of those things. for me. Yeah. Well. Wow. Oh, I will say when, so I'm a nine and use a little bit more of my eight wing and we'll get into that definitely when we get to the nine type nine episode. But of course we use both our wings, but you know, he was going in order. And so I did listen to the one and that was like really great. But man, when he hit type eight, I wept. And then of course I wept when it was type nine as you well. You were a mess. I was a mess. When You even recorded on Instagram. I did. I was just like bawling. <laughs> I remember that. So yeah. And, and, and that's after years of knowing you were a nine. Like you <sighs> saw your well, nineness in a new way. Yeah. So what's beautiful, and I know this is a rabbit trail, but Ryan O'Neill and it, what he goes by sleeping at last. If you haven't listened to his Enneagram songs, oh, you've got to go. And then he does a podcast on each of them, which is fascinating. But he's a type nine. And so one, I could tell that because of how masterfully he was able to see through the lens of all nine types, mm-hmm, which is what mm-hmm. nines are really good at. But then when he got to his and we've had conversations with him, it was the hardest one for him to do because us nines, we don't know ourselves very well. And he was having to face that like, oh, wait, how do I write this song about me? And you can hear it through the song. And it just, yeah, it just ended up. So thank you, Brian, for kind of sharing that because, yeah, he he just really taps into each of the nine types in a way that makes you cry when you hear your own song. Well, let's dive into wings. Now, it's common for people to talk about their wings, their dominant wings. So they'll refer to themselves like a six with a five wing, which is what they notice they use the most. And many out there believe that they only have one wing. But it, it simply isn't the case. Just as a bird has has and uses both wings, so do we. And today we're going to be talking about both wings because it's important to recognize how these parts of you contribute to the expression of your main type. So for the type ones, they have a type nine wing and a type two wing, and they are part of you that play a significant role in your life. Yeah. Now, just to clarify, we want you to know that you use both these wings to varying degrees. Now, it is true. Some of us use one wing more than the other, which we call it the the dominant wing. Um, but before we dive into um, learning about each of the wings and how they show up, Amy and Brian, can you just tell us if you do have a dominant wing or if you've noticed a dominant wing show up? And if so, where does it show up the most in your life? Like, where do you tend to see it? Um, and then, you know, when did you kind of start noticing your wings after learning about the Enneagram? What, that, what was that experience like in discovering these wings? For me, I'm a, I have a dominant nine wing. Okay. And so I see it show up mostly in situations where my, you know, one is wanting to improve things and, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to do the correct thing and trying to help people understand, um, Hey, you're not following this process. I'm trying to improve this for you and. You know, always trying to do it in a kind way, but then it's just ignored. So that nine wing comes in very quickly. Uh-huh. And it's like, your voice doesn't matter, so we're just not going to listen to you. You know, oh, so yeah. um, yeah. I do. I mean, I do see 
times where my two wing does show up. Um, mm-hmm. but it's mostly more with, um, family and the people I'm closest to, okay. you know, but Good. mostly, mostly it's the nine wing that comes in. And it mm-hmm. all, the nine wing also shows up a lot, um, when I get really exhausted. And then, you know, that withdrawing, the withdrawing part Mm -hmm. of the nine, I really, that really shows up. Yeah. Isn't that interesting just to hear you share that, Amy? Thank you so much for sharing that. Is that it, the nine's gift to us is like they, they help us to learn how to rest. And you can see the nine part of your heart tempering your oneness oh, I'm not being heard, so I need some help to kind of calm the voice, calm the energy to try to fix it. Um, or I, you use the word kindness. It's almost modifying or somehow helping the, the, the one part of you to, for this to land on people in a kinder way that maybe you won't, you're afraid that maybe it's going to land on them wrong uh, as just another criticism or uh, another uh, mistake. But the nine serves a very noble purpose for you. And at times it sounds like it can serve other purposes uh, as well <laughs> yeah. uh, and kind of shutting everything down. Yeah. Well, Brian, um, what about you? Yeah. So I also have a more dominant nine wing probably, mm-hmm. but I've seen where the two shows up in a lot of really helpful ways for me. Um, it's mm-hmm. funny, as you were describing them, I, I kept imagining myself as the two... As a one, I can be very cold <laughs> relationally yeah. and emotionally. Sure. Um, yeah. And that two wing really warms me up to other people. Yeah. I was going to say, wow. I don't experience you ever that way, but I know that you have said there's been a lot of change in your life since learning the Enneagram and using it to inform how God's grace and mercy and kindness and redemption has really kind of exploded within you to then have this overflow effect into other lives, which is what I'm experiencing. Would you, was, is that correct? Yeah, that's like, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, interesting to hear you, Brian, explain it that way, because I, I've never put this together before, but if a one is focused on the truth, on getting it right, and at times as a priority over relationships, it's interesting that the two wings for the type one are other centered Mm -hmm. that, you know, the two is all and the nine, they're always reading people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I, would never thought of it that way. So thank you so much. And we're going to dive more into each of the wings, but I, I just thought that that's such a a great way for people to, to realize that I think we've had this conversation before where I'm like, really, Brian, like, you know, you're always so warm and kind (laughs) and thoughtful and measured, you know, so I can feel the one and the the nine and the two a lot when I interact with you. But it was really helpful for you to say, but it wasn't always this way. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's funny. It, and this is having the privilege of working with you, Brian. And, and we have, it's been such a wonderful experience working with you uh, and having a type one on our team. Uh, but sometimes whenever something's not working for our coaches and you post in Slack, I, 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 like, <laughs> I, I can feel that like you're, it's getting frustrating. Like, okay, nine and two, I'm going to need you to take a step aside because I've got to get this fixed for yeah. these coaches. But, it, but we need it. We do. And it's still on behalf of others. I yes. mean, that's the difficult part is that if a mistake's been made by another team member, it can feel like it's coming across as a criticism, but Mm-mm. I know that from my experience with Brian, it's actually still other-centered. It's yes. on behalf of someone else. It's not just about being it's bringing right. insight, responsibility, yes. um, what needs to happen, you know, to make things work. You know, it's it's excellent. So anyway, as you can hear, we're very thankful for you. Um, okay, so we're going to dive into each of the wings and learn more about how they show up and influence your inner world, both in healthy and less healthy ways. So first, we're going to take a look at your all's type two wing. And I'm just going to... That's funny to say, hear you say that, your all's uh, instead of y'all's. Like yeah. you've been in Tennessee long enough. I, I guess I don't have it quite down right. You can, we can practice together because I'm a Texan and I can bring it back. Well... I'm from Kansas City, and we only say you guys, so I'm not really sure where that just came from. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So I, I guess Tennessee is influencing me a lot more than <laughs> I realized. You're trying to move in that direction. <laughs> I'm awesome. trying to merge with with t- t- yes. the South. I'm trying to merge. Trying Don't to merge, do it. Yeah. Don't, Don't do, do it. it. <laughs> do it. Do it. I'm do a it. Northeaster. <laughs> Transplanted the Richmond, Virginia in the South. Everyone's a y'all. I was like, I just, I'm a you guys. So, Southerner. Uh, you guys, okay. Yeah. But but Amy, it's y'all. It's y'all's. Yeah. yeah. Y'all's. Even a plural y'all. Yeah. Y'all. <laughs> y'all's. Yeah. Oh, oh that would it. be more of a possessive y'all's. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. How funny. So, first up is the type two. We're going to take a look at the overview of the type two and how it shows up. So your type two wing will insist that your type one style relating changes so that it incorporates the two's tendency to be relationally warm, caring, nurturing, compassionate, highly relational, and knows the needs of others. But not only that, your two wing will also prompt you to stay in uh, more of a relational state versus the type one's logical state only. And it also will help you to bring not just the wisdom of the one, but it's also going to bring the kindness and the support and the um, the thoughtfulness of the two. So now we're going to be focusing on how your two wing shows up in less healthy ways and tries to influence you as a type one. But it's important to recognize even when parts of us show up misaligned, that we keep in mind that this part of us has good intentions and is actually trying to help. Yeah. The type two wing is fixated on the needs of others and fears being rejected if others see that you're not stepping in and helping to solve people's issues. It's going to persuade the type one part of your heart to do what's right from the two's perspective and insert yourself to ensure things are fixed and others' needs are met. It can cause the type one to be more insertive into people's lives and to cross boundaries, all while believing they're doing it for the right reasons. Your type two wing can keep you focused on others while neglecting your own needs, which leads to more exhaustion Mm -hmm. and resentment. The exhaustion and resentment shows up because not only is your inner critic telling you to perfect everything, but your type two part is also telling you that you must help everyone all the time until their needs are met. It's really a heavy responsibility for type ones to carry. So what I'd like to ask for our guest today Uh, We'll start with you, Amy. How does your type two wing show up maybe in less healthy ways? So the thing that comes right to mind is um, when my husband or son, uh, you know, they don't acknowledge what I'm doing, you know, that I'm cooking dinner, that I'm, you know, doing laundry, that I'm, that they just kind of, they don't acknowledge it. And so it's, you know, that Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, you know, it's almost like the quid pro quo kind of unhealthy aspect mm-hmm. of it like they could sure. acknowledge it um that's the main main time it shows up um in the unhealthy mm-hmm. ways i'm sure there are others um but that's the one that stands out that i have to mm-hmm. take a deep breath become aware yeah. of and, why, and where it's coming from. that is to be seen yes yeah uh, to be for your the work that you're doing on behalf of others to, to be, be acknowledged mm-hmm. yeah acknowledged yeah yeah to be grateful for yeah, exactly. And Brian, um, what about you? Yeah. Um, same. <laughs> and actually, it's I'm most guilty of it with Victoria, with my wife. Um, so mm-hmm. I I can paint myself as the martyr for being overly thoughtful towards her. Um, she mm-hmm. has a lot of health issues, so I, t- I tend to overdo it and trying to compensate for, you know, picking up things here and there making sure everything's taken care of or if she's not feeling well, just kind of like overdoing it in terms of taking care of our son or taking care of the house or meals or whatever it is. And then yeah. sometimes I'll go to bed thinking she's just not grateful or she didn't notice or this or that. And it's like, but she didn't ask for any of those things. <laughs> I just <laughs> took all the responsibility. Right. I think the oneness really kicks it into a high gear too, because not only do we want to do them in a thoughtful way, we want to do them the right way, which is we're going to follow every single step and do all the things and not take any shortcuts. And right. she's a three and doesn't care about any of those things. She just wants them done. Um, right. If she wanted right. it done at all, right? But I'm just jumping in, yeah. assuming that all these things should be done and taken care of and blah, 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 blah. And then, Yeah, you like know, she she probably doesn't care if you load the dishwasher the correct way. She or, just wants the or, dishes cleaned. Yeah. <laughs> so you're probably sitting there going, hey, look, you know, 
you know, I figured out exactly how this is done correctly. Aren't you excited? Not saying that you would do that, but you know, the, the one part of your heart is, yeah, you're, yeah. Amy raised her hand. That's me. Like, aren't you appreciative of, I kind of just added a few syllables there. That's but fine. But you got the word out. I did. You did it. Um, you stayed with that word. You did. <laughs> um, but your so your type one is like, look at how I follow things in a very procedural way, the right way. But the two is like, um, hello, are you going to acknowledge and be grateful and appreciate me and my efforts? I do have a question about that. Um, and I wonder how your inner critic plays into this. So let's say you've done something for your spouse and they didn't recognize you. So there's a little bit of hurt that you've experienced not being seen for what you've done. How does your inner critic approach the fact that you're now hurt because you weren't recognized? Do you then become more critical of yourself? Like, why should you be hurt? Or is it to them? And this could also be, and we're not going to get into it, but this could be instinctual subtype stacking, you know, so it could be a little bit of everything there. But just for the two of you, what is the inner critic doing in those moments? We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Um, for me, my inner critic becomes very critical of them. Okay. Yeah. Like, like, why? What would be, what be, uh, what would be some I, of the I narrative? love it. Like your eyebrows are up and yeah. you're smiling. Like this critic goes fierce on them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what would be some of the the language that the inner critic yeah, is bringing Yeah, you out? don't have to actually say the thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> the overall gist. <laughs> yeah, no, it just goes to, I can't believe he is not noticing. Why isn't he noticing? You know, it just becomes very critical of him, not in any specific way, but just like, I can't believe mm. he didn't notice that or I'm having to do this. Mm. You know, it really comes out when I'm cooking dinner and typically mm. I cook dinner, he cleans up. Like, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of how it goes. And oh, so, yeah. That's a rule in our house. Yeah. Whoever cooks does not have to clean. Yeah. And so if I clean up, but then he is sidetracked by something or whatever, and he's not cleaning up, and I'm like, see, mm-hmm. I just went and cooked, and now I've got to clean up. And like, what is he, you know, so it just starts, mm-hmm. you know, going in that direction. Um, Amy, is it, do you find it difficult to experience or name that your feelings were hurt by not being recognized? Oh, no, I own it. Yeah, I know. I know my feelings were hurt. I can <laughs> completely own that. Yeah. Um, well, and that's the one thing about <laughs> ones is they will own what is theirs, you know. Uh-huh. And so the the nine and the two wing will try to do it a little bit differently. The The two will try to, you know, su- to repress the mm-hmm. feelings and nines are just going to check you out. But the one that's leading is like, no, nope, I'll own it. Yeah. I-, I did that. That's me. Yeah. Well, Brian, what about you? Um. Do how do you how does your inner critic relate to her feeling hurt? Yeah, I think mine's a little bit different, um, but it ties back into that martyr complex, okay. where it's yeah, like explain. you signed up for this, you made a marital vow to love and serve and sickness and health and all these things. So why are you complaining? Um, so uh-huh. then the inner critic says, "Why are you sad? Why are you angry? You should just suck it up and do it anyway." Um, it's not really the right feeling to have right now. 
Mm. Um, and then oh. the same so part of you. me kicks in. Yeah, towards me. And then the same wow. part of me that is learning to feel feelings and be emotional and tied to all those things and chip God and all the, all the wonderful things. Like, mm-hmm. no, it's okay to feel that way. There's a reason you feel yeah. that yeah. way and it's tied to something else. So don't deny yeah. it, don't repress it. That's so I mean, good. what a line from a critic. You chose this. Mm-hmm. Don't you remember? I mean, what a... <laughs> Wow, you're going back to vows? Yeah. Oh, yeah, constantly. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I'm thinking of the critic going back. To, hey, there's a funny joke by yeah. Dave Chappelle about how um, going back to Egypt was a phrase that he used. And right. it makes me laugh because it sometimes in marriage you just well, go yeah, back we, to we, history. Yeah, we pull out the the filing cabinet. You, you know, did and... this 25 years ago. I don't, I don't know anything about that. Oh, you've never, never, never. I never pull the fly on cabinet. Never. I mean, your your memory's like a goldfish. It's not like an elephant. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish. Uh, well, actually, sometimes it is because the nine kind of spaces out. It's just the things that you would like it to. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, this podcast is not about our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is really great, but it's important that we actually know how and when our parts show up in less healthy ways because it allows us to apologize to others, to ask God for help, and then to work out what is actually best for us in a healthier way. And what I mean by that is we want to actually lead ourselves, our inner world. We want to coach, to mentor our parts from this less healthy alignment to a healthy alignment with the truth of the gospel. And I think that's what's so different about our approach to wings, because it's very common for people to think, oh, I just have this wing. That's part of me. Yeah. But actually, you have the opportunity to develop a relationship with this part of your heart and to bring leadership to this part. It doesn't have to stay the way that it is. It doesn't have to function in that way. Yeah. It actually can benefit how you relate to others. Yeah. And so it's just really important to be self-aware because I know that when, like we were talking earlier, when my type one wing pops up in a less healthy way, it it aims itself at me. And that is not helpful for any of us in our relationship dynamics. So the more I can catch it when it's happening, the more we can utilize the truth of the gospel to redirect our heart into what is actually true and good. Well, let's take a look at some of the qualities of the type two when they're healthy and how it affects the type one as well. So what you're going to see is that the type two part of your heart is going to bring a sense of compassion for others that really outweighs the judgment in the particular situation. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not still seeing what's imperfect or what needs to be fixed, but you bring a different level of understanding and compassion moving towards people. And so you're going to exchange the judging kind of distancing from yourselves into rolling up your sleeves and actually getting in there and advising, supporting, nurturing others with a deeper sense of empathy, love, compassion. And you'll see that your relational style, which can be more as a one logical and maybe even cold and distant at times to be more warm and relational, engaging. Um, it also is going to help you to see what others needs are and to bring the wisdom that the one has into what the needs are. But What's really interesting is that when you do it from this healthy place, you're no longer going to cross boundaries. You're going to honor not only the well-being of others and seeing if this is what they would like um, and hearing from them, but you also are going to respect your own boundaries because as we all know, the world is imperfect at every turn. You could exhaust yourself in trying to fix everything. And so at this healthier level, you are learning how to set up boundaries for how you help others, but also not to overextend yourself. Um, and so this is really remarkable because it's going to then lower your resentment and demanding others to give in return because you will have this deep sense of love and care from Jesus Christ himself, which then overflows into your love and compassion to others. So can you guys share with us how your type two wing uh, really comes in and benefits your type one main type? Brian, why don't you go first? Sure. Um, I think we've mentioned this on other podcasts, but it's when, um, when there tends to be some kind of trauma, (laughs) most often Mm -hmm. a death in the family. Um, so I'm a type one and my wife is a type three and we tend to meet in the middle at that two wing and we just kick Uh into high gear in terms of serving whoever it is that needs serving. 
Um, we've also been asked to be parts of lots of weddings or showers and stuff like that. So, um, it's nice to be able to access that side of it that just anticipates someone else's needs, um, without them having to communicate it to recognize that they're not in a place to process all of that right now. And if, if I can be helpful, um, that I'm happy to do it. Um, and just kind of set aside all of my preferences or the way that I would do things to say, nope, this is the way they would want it done. So let's just do it that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. That's yeah, Brian, I mean, and, and I, the way I've experienced your two-ness has been with our coaches whenever you do speak up on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, I, I'm sure there's a way whenever uh, there have been problems with technology or different things like that, that, that there might be a part of you that could be relentless about it, keep, pushing it, keep pushing it until it's corrected, or maybe even telling people what to do. Um, but I, I get the sense that the the two part of your heart really gives you the energy to keep bringing it up until it gets fixed. Mm. That yeah. it's almost like an advocacy role, like I'm going to turn the dial up now because this is for people. Yeah, that's yeah, a good he's way rolling to put up it. his sleeves and getting it done. Yeah. Well, Amy, tell us about your two wing and how it shows up in healthy ways. Um, I think in a healthier way, it's really, it's really become, um, I guess, more apparent when coaching people or when help, you know, and, and it also, this may sound strange, but it also becomes apparent when I'm learning to be kinder to myself. Mm, I love that. And speak more about that, you know, um, like for the example, you know, when I get frustrated with, you know, my family and them not acknowledging it, I'm, much more able now to kind of temper that because I know I'm overthinking that. I know that's where the overthinking part comes in. And it's like the healthier part of the two wing comes in and go, no, and it's kind to myself about it. It's like, it's okay to feel that way, but you know, you're overthinking this like in a more Mm -hmm. gent in a gentler way. Um, And so that's definitely where I've been seeing it more lately show up in the healthier aspect. It's interesting to think uh, Beth sometimes will uh, distinguish between nines and twos because uh, twos have an element of strength to them mm-hmm. that's different than a nine. Well, um, I mean, nines are really strong too, but yes, twos. the difference is that twos will insert themselves yes. with confidence. Nines want to ask, you know, hey, is it okay if I do this, or that, or the other? And so at times we'll talk about the idea of ambivalence, having two competing de- emotions or desires at once. With our wings, so one that wants to be truthful, but the two part of their heart wants to be relational, maintain relationship. But that's even another dynamic that you're uh, speaking to, Amy, is that it's almost a contemporary of your inner critic. Exactly. Where you have another part of your heart that can help you to identify and coach your inner critic. It's available to you. It's a, it's a gift that God has already given you to be able to apply the gospel and God's kindness and goodness to our own hearts. And yeah. that's that's how a healthy two wing can actually function. Well, and I think one thing to really recognize is when a two isn't healthy, they are going to insert themselves too much, too often. They're going to exhaust themselves. Um, and the one is exhausted too because the one has seen the forever list of things that need to happen. But when a two is healthy, it start to, starts to recognize I have needs and I need to take care of myself before I can take care of others. So the analogy of, you know, putting your mask on on the airplane before you help your child. So could you guys tell me what is it like? How does your two, when it's healthy, assist you in knowing that you need to slow it down, that you need to take care of yourself so that you don't burn yourself out, whether it's helping others or doing the right thing, doing the next thing on the list. For me, it um, gets me. I'm very task oriented, mm-hmm. and you know, as a one, we're very detail oriented. And all the in the jobs I've worked at, like I'm very detail oriented, and people come to me and ask me that. But it's always been very difficult for me to switch very quickly to people oriented. Mm-hmm. And sure. so, you know, as I've grown grown and been able to I still have to put the task down it's still very hard for me to focus on people and task at the same time but now I understand the importance that it always people over task mm, yeah and so that That's two so that two wing comes in it's like no 
you need to be people focused right now. And Mm. so that, you know, that really comes in a lot. And that's where I see that the most. Mm, That's so good. Brian, do you have anything to add? That's really good, Amy. Thank you. Um, uh, I think I would echo what she's saying, because it's also tempting to turn people into tasks for me. Um, Oh, good. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I think keeping that in mind that I'm serving the persons and I'm not treating them as the task or the project that needs to be done or taken care of is Mm -hmm. really helpful. Um, Yeah. That's so good. Okay. So let's now take a look and focus on your type nine wing. Um, now, a lot of times people are surprised that ones have a nine wing and which is great having you guys here because you can give more clarity because the inner critic is at odds with the peaceful accommodator part. The one is like, hey, this is wrong. I'm going to name it. I'm going to say it. Well, that can cause tension. And the nine space is like, oh, let's not do that. Can we just have some harmony here? So the type nine's perspective is is coming from an angle with its core motivations that it fears conflict and tension of all kinds and is just desiring peace and harmony and good connections with others. Now, the type nine um, part is non-judgmental. It's easygoing. um, It's avoiding disagreements and really doesn't want to feel upset. So being disrupted inside. And the nine part of your heart um, is going to support your type one by offering you patience It's going to also encourage you to be kinder, more thoughtful and peaceful towards others, but also towards yourself. And it has the desire to help the inner critic to be more tender, to be more encouraging and respectful, again, for others, but also for yourself. And it wants you to base it on the good news of Christ and who, how he loves, how he cares for you through grace and through his applied work. Now, the type nine part um, is the most open, receptive, non-judgmental type. It sees the angle of all the nine types. And so what it wants to do is mediate to bring peace and harmony, but it also brings a sense of steadiness. And that steadiness can be really powerful when coupled with the type one part of your heart where it's wanting, like you're saying, get things done. And it's like, you know, yeah, we want to get things done, but we also want to have good balance where we have times of rest and times of getting things done. So Jeff, can you um, kind of talk a little bit about what it looks like when the type nine comes on from an unhealthy perspective? You don't know. I know you don't know much about this because I don't ever display unhealthy nine I mean, can nines even be unhealthy? I, no, but we'll, we'll, we'll try to go there. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like saying Jesus was unhealthy. Um, <laughs> just joking. Well, as we describe the unhealthy characteristics of the nine, we remember that it has positive intentions, and it's actually trying to protect our hearts from woundedness. It's doing its best and needs to see the good intentions and brings Christ's grace and healing. So when your less healthy not type nine wing shows up, it can make you more withdrawn, stubborn, less aware of your feelings and passions. It'll cause you to fear conflict and suppress your typical uh, irritations in order to keep a peaceful connection with others, even when it is at a cost to you and um, and versus doing what's right. Your nine wing wants to be seen as good and will try to accommodate and please others in order to make them happy. It, if it is unable to make others uh, happy, this t- nine part of their hearts will try to convince you to numb out, maybe withdraw and disassociate from what's actually causing the conflict and tension. It desires to shut everything down inside. It might ask you to disengage uh, with TV, shopping, addictions, anything that'll distract you from your resentment that's building up and the tension that's happening inside your body and mind. But these strategies only work for so long and eventually that inner critic is going to start coming back with its demands and it's going to start to spill out into your relationships. So, Let's go back to our guest, and why don't we start with you, Amy? How do you find that your nine wing shows up in less healthy ways? Um, I can see it. I can see it popping up when I become um, very withdrawn from people. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll just withdraw. And especially, you know, I you hear Enneagram teachers say all the time that a nine with an eight wing or eight with a nine wing is like the most conflicted. Mm-hmm. As a one with a nine wing, sometimes I f- sometimes I feel we have a lot of conflict. Yeah, and you know that. our inner those inner exaggerations conflict. are silly. Yeah. Uh, the reality is is that we all have ambivalence yeah. with our wings. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, um, 
it shows up when there's a lot of tension. You know, it brings a lot of tension when I want to do what's right. But then part of me is like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to rock the boat if I mm-hmm. do that. And, sure. you know, and so that's when I tend to just kind of withdraw um, from the conflict or situation at hand. Yeah. You know, Amy, one of the things that Beth and I have done as it relates to uh, our main type and our connecting types is we uh, will watch the sequence of how they come online and how long their efforts last until another one comes online. Would you say that your two wing shows up first and then if that doesn't work, then your nine shows up to shut it all down and withdrawal? I don't know that I've ever thought about it that way, but I can see that. I can absolutely see that because, you know, the two is wanting to be helpful and Mm -hmm. making sure things are done correctly for this person or, you know, um, whatever the situation is. And then when it's shut down, that nine wing does like, oh, it rears its ugly head like (laughs) and withdrawals. And it's like, I don't want to cause this conflict. And, you know, there's so much inner conflict about what to do. Yep. Would a one be, and just to, Make sure that I'm correct in my thinking. One was to be in the assertive stance, right? No, they're in the compliance or dependable. Okay, okay. sorry about that. Gotcha. But I mean, okay. I can see where you're going because they they will say what's the right thing <clears throat> to do, but it's in compliance to what's right and wrong. Yeah, so it could be maybe to withdraw until you can't withdraw, and then it becomes the. It could be the reverse order that I'm going to withdraw, try to hold all of this. Be patient. And then the two part of you starts to come out and where you're inserting yourself. I've been patient enough. That's right. Everyone. I think it it depends on the situation too. Yeah. Depending which one comes in first. Yeah. The the person, the relationship. Yeah. That's what's so important about talking about our wings. And then if we get into other Enneagram maternal profile or EIP where we talk about our paths and our connecting, all the connecting types, they come online all the time. We're not always aware of it. We do need to become aware of it. We're, we're not always aware of it. But like you're seeing, you're going to feel this inner conflicting parts. You know, you've got, you know, okay, as a one, I need to say and do what's right. And then the nine showing up. But if you do, you're going to rock the boat. And then the two party hearts like, but if I don't say anything, it's not going to benefit others. And so I've got to say, you know, we got to get out there. And then the nine's going to chime in again. It's just back and forth and back and forth. And this is the internal dialogue that we're all experiencing on a daily basis that makes us feel stuck or confused or sometimes even crazy. And we're not. We just need to understand when these parts of us are coming online in unhealthy ways so that we can bring it back to um, God to bring the truth back into our life so that we can steer it into a healthy way. Brian, what about you? How does uh, the nine wing? Yeah. How does the nine wing show up in not so healthy ways? Uh, constantly <laughs> when I'm trying to avoid problems or tension or conflict or when I'm feeling overwhelmed and I just want to curl up under a warm, heavy blanket. Um, yeah, it's, it's such a default mode for me. Um, hmm. even after I heard that sleeping at last on and typed myself as a one, I think it was like a year or two later. I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I have a nine. Cause I just, I felt so much of that so strongly. And yeah. I'm pretty sure it was during 2020. So everything was haywire anyway. So I just, who didn't want to shut down that year, right? Um, <laughs> right. But it's just kind of You're like kind of recognizing to, all those needs for comfort things to make myself yeah. feel better. Um, and instead of healthy coping mechanisms, it was just let me run to the things that I know mm-hmm. that I like, like Netflix or cheese balls or cups of coffee or books or whatever it is. So um, yeah, learning to see that clearly to recognize, okay, this is... This is helping me to survive, but maybe this isn't the best way to go about it. Um, yeah. And it doesn't have to be who I am. Um, I think it was a, a big wake up call for me. Oh, that's so good. Well, let's talk real briefly about the healthy parts of nine and how it is going to benefit you as a type one. So the type nine, what it's going to do, I think that's really important for the type one, is that the type one sees things as right and wrong, black and white. This is the way to do it. Um, but the nine, it's not so much that they're saying no. It's like, well, have we considered all viewpoints? Have we considered how others think? Can we embrace more empathy and compassion and understanding? 
can we bring a non-judgmental, receptive tone into this relationship style so that everyone feels they have a place at the table, that I, they're important? I, I don't want our marriage to become too big of a theme in this, but I feel like those are the exact things that you say to me, like, why can't you be more considerate of yes. my feelings? Yes, that is my nine talking. <laughs> and my nine is right. No. <laughs> Dang it, listen to me. Right. Well, and that's what's so interesting is that our parts have a particular viewpoint and yeah. they think they're right. Yeah. As a nine, my main type nine doesn't understand well, my why parts we all think can't right, but get that's just along. being a six. Well, yeah. Um, but as a nine, I'm like, why can't we all get along? Or why can't we be kind? Why can't we talk about this in a way that Cannot is affirming and gentle? Like, that would be a hashtag of your life. Yeah. Why can't we just get along? I, yes. Why do we... And But the strength that it brings is the nine will step into the gap for others, but in the most affirming, encouraging, lifting up, seeing the best, uh, being the mirror to others to show the other person, yes, there are mistakes, but let me show you, you know, the good attributes in yourself. And so the nine space is really trying to help everyone feel encouraged, affirmed, to feel that they have a place, a voice. And so I just would love to hear how does that part of your heart help temper some of the black and white thinking and the rigidity of the type one? Hey, Brian, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I like this question a lot. I don't know how I'm going to answer it yet, but um, I think I've learned how, how much structure and rigidity I wanted as a one. And then I learned how little of it there actually is in the world. And how helpful gray can be. Um, I was so intent on drawing dividing lines and compartmentalizing people into categories that just didn't fit neatly. Um, I started to learn, especially in the last two or three years, I think, um, how much healthy tension is actually necessary for us to navigate this crazy world that we live in. <laughs> whether it's political stuff, racial stuff, religious stuff, anything. Um, it's just, there's just so much, and there's so much complexity to all of it that there's just no easy way to make a black and white statement about anything. Um, so being able to lean into that, the healthy nine side of it to, to try to see it from someone else's point of view. And I say it all the time with coaching. It's just like, listen, if there are nine different ways of being in the world, I have to be the first to admit, even as a one, that there is no right or wrong way to do it. That being different doesn't make me good or bad or right or wrong. It's just different. And I love that the Bible talks about, you know, whether it's First Corinthians or Romans or Ephesians, that we are a body of Christ and we need every member to fulfill their part. And I can't say to someone else, I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amy, what about you? Um, so the healthy part of nine, I think for me, it shows up in two ways a lot of times. Um, one, it, when I need to slow down, when I've had a crazy week or I need to rest, it steps in. And I think that's really healthy, you know, cause it, it, it helps me to realize when I need to rest. But when it comes to people, I think that's the gift of the gift. Of, of the nine is that they can see so many all the perspectives and for most of my life I have been able to see a lot of the gray even though you know the one comes out very strongly depending on the job and how things are supposed to be done you know by process but as far as just in general in life I see the gray and I see how every person what they bring to the table and how you know their gifts and their strengths that they bring to the world and that it's not black and white. It's all gray and all colorful. And just being able to see that, I love that I can see that. I love that I can draw on that strength of my nine wing to be able to see that. And because it helps me realize as a one who, you know, the one part wants to see things in black and white, it helps me to realize that everyone is just doing the best that they know how. And that brings a lot more peace to that one inner critic. Yeah. That's okay. And one thing to for our listeners to recognize, because it this has been a subtle theme throughout all of this, 
is that both of these wings are functioning out of the type one's desire to make the world right. Mm -hmm. And they come into play in various ways about how they relate to people and relate to the world and relate to themselves in order to sort of answer this driving passion and desire and motivation that they have to see justice, uh, to see Mm -hmm. goodness in the world. And so it Um, wings function in a very significant, both wings function for us in very significant ways. And we hope this has been uh, particularly helpful for you. So while your two wing will try to insert itself to help people, uh, your nine wing uh, may want to withdraw so you don't do or say something that might cause a relational divide. None of these uh, reactions are necessarily healthy, but you can see how they attempt to balance one another out. Similarly, your healthy two-wing turns your ideas into practical actions to benefit others, and your healthy nine-wing helps you to see the gray areas and show yourself and others gentleness and compassion. So as you can see, becoming aware of both wings is necessary for your growth and to understand who God has made you to be. You're not just one thing. You're many different things. So you may be wondering, how do I become aware of my wing, uh, my wings? And so the first step sounds easy, but it is hard to do in our culture. We need to slow down and be intentional. This is particularly difficult for the type ones because you have to a big to do list of responsibilities and ideals that you want to reach, and sometimes inner critics can get in your way if you set those aside. When you're distracted by all the errors of your inner critic that it's pointing out, it's hard to distinguish the many parts of your heart. So add times of silence and solitude from your to-do list. This intention is going to help you to connect with the various aspects of your heart and allow your heart to come to rest. And throughout the day, jot down your thoughts, your feelings, particularly when you feel the urge to fix or critique. Stop and ask yourself why. Hmm. Stop and consider what part of you is starting to show up or what part of you are you trying to hold back in this particular situation. Yeah, and one thing I I would like to add here for type ones is that a lot of time type ones, they mistake the inner critic to be the Holy Spirit. That's what they think. Wait, no, this this is the Holy or this is the Holy Spirit, you know, I have to do what it says. But here's the thing, you know, the inner critic is harmful, mean, shaming, belittling, uh, assaulting. Whereas the Holy Spirit is kind, good, faithful, gentle, tender, brings grace into your life. You know, one thing that uh, I was reminded of as you were going through this, Beth, is uh, the idea of responsibility. Mm. That for, you know, the inner critic, it really is about your responsibility as a type one um, versus the aspect, no, God's involved and other people are involved. I'm not alone in this. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's just really, it's really helpful for the type one to recognize who the inner critic for who the inner critic really is, but then also really focusing in on uh, who the Holy Spirit is to us um, and through us and really tapping into uh, his love and his grace um, more than anything. Um, and so, you know, we just really wanted to shine a light on the healthy aspects of your two wing and your nine wing and how they offer so much to you and your relationships and really how to steward them well in your life. So when you're activated, it's also helpful to connect your thoughts and feelings with a story from your childhood. In these stories, you're going to find that your wings played a role in uh, growing up as a person. And ultimately, your misaligned wings are going to try to protect your wounded child, that wounded part of your heart, from experiencing harm. So always be asking yourself the question, what about this circumstance reminds me of the pain or how I have coped in the past? Do you have a childhood memory? that points to one of your misaligned wings, or maybe even an aligned wing, to be honest with you, because these parts of us function to protect and serve us. Sometimes that showed itself unhealthy ways. Sometimes it was healthy. Yeah. And we also, also, we also, let me start over again. Couldn't get that word out. And we also talk often about being on autopilot, but it's also important to realize that we can get into autopilot when we're actually healthy. And what I mean by that is that we can be feeling good and doing great things and just kind of going along. But then all of a sudden, we're not realizing how we're kind of slipping off course. And then all of a sudden, we might fall into a common pitfall. And like, when did this happen? How did this happen? And that's where we really need to understand how the different parts of our heart show up in healthy and unhealthy ways. And what I talk a lot about at Your Enneagram Coach is setting up rumble strips. Yeah, those rumble strips that are on the highway that alert you, that make that weird noise when you cross over them to alert you to get back on the road, to not veer off. And so for the type ones out there that are listening today, 
you now have a clear idea of what it looks like when your type two wing comes in in an unhealthy way and your type nine comes in an unhealthy way. And you can use those as rumble strips to and, wake you and up. And to make that a little more practical, when you're thinking of a rumble strip, here's a few things that you're going to want to look for. Number one, a repeated behavioral pattern uh, or particular language or thoughts that you're having. So you start saying common phrases again, or you start, uh, we talked about withdrawing. If you find yourself withdrawing, that's a sign that maybe a, a part of you has come online because there's a desire that's in your heart that you're trying to numb. Uh, it could be a behavior. It could be uh, drinking soda. I find that uh, <laughs> I drink a lot more Coke Zero whenever I, I'm anxious. Um, and uh, so it, it could be a behavior. Uh, it could be a phrase that you're using with other people. It could be a body sensation. So there's just certain parts of my body that mm-hmm. show up whenever certain anxieties are happening that help give, they're like a rumble ship. They yeah. wake me up that, okay, something's not right. Yeah. Um, just real quickly, uh, Brian and Amy, can you give us, you know, just, you know, maybe a quick summary of some of the things that have helped you to have this kind of alert system, this rumble strip, to know when these wings are taking you off course and what, from a one's perspective, is helpful for other ones to get back on the right path? Um, for me, I can feel I'm ten- I tense up. Like my shoulders tense mm-hmm. up, you know, I know. And there's almost this inner um, anxiety, an inner anxiety yep. that comes up when I see that I'm veering off course. And that's when I know for me, the biggest thing is stopping and taking a deep breath and being aware mm-hmm. of it, just mm-hmm. mindfully thinking about, okay, I know this is. And honestly, one of the things that has helped me tremendously is, um, using the Enneagram internal profile and naming mm-hmm. those parts. And when yeah. I see those, I like, I, you know, I talk to them with compassion. Yeah. yeah. Right. And now, that Amy, really have you truly, named your wings. Yes. I have. Just curious. Yes. I have. Would, would you be okay with sharing your names for them? Sure. Uh, my nine wing is Colleen. Okay. Uh-huh. And my two wing is um, arrow, like A-E-R-O, like air, you know, lift, uh-huh. lifts up, uh-huh. it lifts people up, that sort of thing. Yeah. And Colleen, where did the name Colleen come from? So this is kind of a funny story. Um, my, before I was born, my parents had names picked out and I was supposed to be Amy Colleen. My, gran- mm-hmm. my grandmother didn't like it. So then it was like, well, Amy Lee, my grandmother didn't like uh-huh. that. And so it eventually, they eventually landed on Amy Cayenne. So Colleen just sounds very peaceful to me. So mm. Colleen for oh, my nine what a way. great way. And, and notice these names are very kind and compassionate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not focusing on the unhealthy part. Mm-hmm. I will say it is funny. We were going to name our son Tobias <laughs> until it. Beth's mom said, what were you going to name your son? Tabasco? And we were like, oh. Tobias is out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brian, what about you? What are what's some advice you know in setting up those rumble strips that you've noticed have really worked for you? Yeah, um, I've learned to recognize when I'm feeling overly judgy or critical, which tends to be most of the time. Um, but it it you know we hear the expression of being on your high horse, and I'd recognize what that point of view looks like now. <laughs> mm, it's like oh, I'm doing good. that thing again, and I'm looking down on everyone else's <laughs> opinions. Or looking down on everyone else's preferences or thoughts or the way they're doing it. And it might be time to get down and kind of get with them instead. Um, oh, you know, we talked earlier that. about identifying feelings and emotions too, and just recognizing when anger is flaring up in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and to try to pinpoint where it's coming from, knowing that anger is a secondary emotion. Um, so mm-hmm. where is it really coming from and why am I feeling it right now? Wow. That's great. Yeah, so feelings, body sensations, mm-hmm. uh, patterns of thought, all of these are opportunities to alert ourselves of what's happening. Yeah. But remember that these are not just descriptions. Mm. These are actually parts of you that can actually be led. And there's an opportunity there that whenever we are experiencing something that we may not like about ourselves, that is the very context that we have the opportunity to experience grace. And yeah. I think I've, I've said this quote a lot. I bet my kids would make fun of me for even <laughs> suggesting it again. They I have these common phrases. But Jerry Bridges had this awesome thought. He says that you're never so good that you're beyond the need for God's grace. 
and you're never so bad that you're beyond its reach. And the idea that God meets us in the places that we are. And that's why we have the book of Psalms, because David experienced himself. And that didn't lead to some self-absorbed, self-pity path. It actually opened him up to greater worship and appreciation for all that God is for us in our lives. Yeah. And so just the last thing to wrap it up is we want to see that Our main type is glorious and beautiful. God gave it to us to reflect him um, in such beautiful, unique ways. But we're also on this side of heaven. And there comes some of the the weaknesses and the liabilities of our types when it's unhealthy. And same too with our wings. Our wings are going to show up from their perspective. And they're going to show up in healthy or unhealthy ways, depending on where our heart is in any current moment. And so by understanding this and being able to recognize it, it's not to bring shame and condemnation into your life. In fact, it's the opposite. We want to recognize these so we can own it. We can apologize, ask for forgiveness, and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to get on that healthier path, to be more like Christ. And that is his delight to do so for us. And so that's really what we're here uh, today is just to help reflect that and to help you guys see both sides, but then to embrace the grace, the goodness, and the love that Christ already has for us. Well, Brian and Amy, we're so grateful uh, that you chose to spend this time with us to talk about uh, your internal team and uh, what that looks like in your life in healthy and unhealthy ways. It's so helpful to us and so helpful for our listeners. Um, Brian, why don't you share with our audience where they can find some of the resources that uh, you provide as a coach? Sure. You can find me at gospelcenteredenneagram.com is where I do all of my coaching stuff and Enneagram stuff. And recently I've been working with survivors of spiritual abuse and religious trauma. And you can follow me over on Instagram at Broken to Beloved. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. And then uh, Amy, what about you? Um, You can find me at growthessentialscoaching.com is my website for my coaching. And on Instagram at growthessentialsllc. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you so much. You have... Uh, walk the path that I'm sure that many ones uh, wish they could, and you're going to be excellent guides for them uh, if they want to take the next step and get some coaching. So remember, if you're interested in learning more about the Enneagram, be sure to visit our website at yourenneagramcoach.com. And if you're ready to take it a step further with a personalized Enneagram coach, uh, check out our incredible certified coaches at myenneagramcoach.com. You can find a coach in your area or around the globe. And for those of you who want to bless others by becoming a certified Enneagram coach, be sure to check out our leading certification program at yourenneagramcoach.com. Our team is here to help guide you every step of the way to become a coach and joining us in blessing others with accelerated growth. And as always, remember that the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It's the gospel that transforms us. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode.